There's an old adage that you may at times even hear today. Strike while the iron is hot. Any of you heard that adage? The saying is basically telling us that when the time is right, you should act. You should seize the moment or you'll miss out on your opportunity. The metaphor is taken from a blacksmith working on a piece of iron in order to shape it. The piece of iron must be struck with a hammer while the iron is red hot. If you wait too long, the iron will cool and you'll be unable to seize the moment to shape the metal. So when those opportunities, when those moments arrive in our lives, we must strike while the iron is hot. We must seize the moment and strike. I was at dinner with my parents and my siblings and an elderly couple, the cars, started to walk over to our table. And as they approached, my younger brother and I immediately stood up. Our mother had taught us well over the years. Now, Hetty Carr, who was probably in her late 60s at the time, well, she never had a problem speaking her mind. And sternly, she grabbed my arm as she approached the table. And she said, Jeff, I hear you're dating one of the Gartman girls. <laughs> yes, I said, Lee and I have been dating for about a year. Well, do you like her, Jeff? Yes, I, I like her a lot. She pulled my face even closer. Now, Jeff, listen to me. Strike while the iron is hot. <laughs> well, as Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story. Lee and I have been married 41 years. We have two children and five grandchildren. I heeded Hetty Carr's advice, and I stru struck while the iron was hot. Not only does that happen in our own lives, but salespeople seem to really know what it means to strike while the iron is hot. I was reading an article by Pat Zabby. He's a nationally known real estate developer. He stated, one weekend, I told a friend of mine that I was thinking about buying a convertible. So the first thing Monday morning, I logged onto the internet to a site, carpoint.com. I picked out a car I liked, the color, the interior, all the accessories. And within moments, Carpoint gave me a sticker price as well as a dealer invoice. And later, that same morning, I received a call, and the boy said, this is Owen Evans. 
with Autobomb Motors in Fort Worth, and we have your auto. What? He replied. The salesman reminded me that I had been on the internet earlier and had been looking for a particular car. I said, yes, but I wasn't serious about buying it. <laughs> That's okay. We have the model and the color car you requested, and I wondered if you'd like to see it. I told him that the dealership he was with was in Fort Worth, and I'm in Dallas. Maybe I'd come over in a few weeks. You don't understand, he said. I'll drive it right over to your office so you can see it right now. I'm sure you know what happened. <laughs> he was the proud owner of a Carnival Red convertible. <laughs> he was sending out buying signals, and the sales professional struck while the iron was hot. Beloved, we hear all this also in the scriptures. I'm going to share a few examples. First, from the Gospel of John. You'll know this story. And we're told that at the pool at Bethsaida, the sick, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed were waiting for the movement of the water. You see, an angel was sent down at certain times into the pool and would stir the water and whoever stepped in first, after the stirring of the water, was made whole. They had to make their move while the angel was there. They had to seize the moment. They had to strike. Strike while the iron was hot. And in Mark's gospel, we read another encounter. Hear God's word. And again, he, Jesus, entered Capernaum after some days. And it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. And that's when the scriptures tell us and go on to tell us that four friends brought a paralyzed man cut open an area of the roof, lowered the paralyzed man through the roof into the presence of Jesus. They had to act while Jesus was there. They had to strike when the opportunity was at hand. They had to strike when the iron was hot. And in our gospel text this morning, there's a story about another man, Bartimaeus, who was willing to strike while the iron was hot. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover when he passes through Jericho, which is only 15 miles from Jerusalem. And it's the law that every male Jew must attend Passover in the holy city if they're 12 years of age and they live within 15 miles. 
Jericho is at this point. Yet many of those that were even close, it was too hard to make the journey. And those that could not, especially those at that crossroads of Jericho, would line the streets where groups of travelers and rabbis and teachers would pass by on their way to Jerusalem, to the holy city. And this gave the people of Jericho and the surrounding area of Jericho the ability to see these famous rabbis who would often stop and they'd hear the teaching of great teachers. So the streets of Jericho would be lined with people, many deep, maybe more than usual this time, to hopefully catch a glimpse of this provocative young Galilean named Jesus. And as Jesus made his way through the throng, the crowds begin to increase in size. Bartimaeus, being blind, was no fool. There was a great crowd that I'm sure his hope was they'd let the blind man through the crowd to the front. Can you picture the scene? The noise of the crowd intensifies. Bartimaeus begins to ask people around him, who is it? Which rabbi is coming? The passionate bystander tells him, it's the Nazarene. It's the holy rabbi, Jesus, the one that fed the 5,000. Bartimaeus surely had heard the stories. He'd heard about this Jesus from Galilee. He'd heard about the miracles. He had heard about the healings. And he starts to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The crowd yells back, be quiet. We're trying to listen to the teacher. But instead of quieting down, he yells all the louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus hears the blind man's cry. And he tells the crowd, call him here. Call him here. And the scriptures tell us that Bartimaeus sprang up. Jesus asks, what do you want me to do for you? Let me see again. Let me see again, he replies. And Jesus immediately heals him. Beloved, we are followers of the Nazarene, of the Christ. And we're to become the light of the world, the salt of the earth, to be a people of hope and of reconciliation. Jesus told the crowd, 
call him here. And when he does, suddenly the crowd understands that Jesus wants them to do something. Bring him here. Call him here. And he tells us the same, to do something. Bring people to him. We as the church, throughout early history, were called the called. We are called to bring the blinded world to Christ. To bring the lost and the hurting, the broken. Aren't we all broken? We're called to serve, not to be served. And to encourage others who cannot see, who are blinded to the truth. We're called to be a witness and to bring others to the Messiah, Jesus. An elderly lay person told me this story, and it's always stayed with me, and obviously the Holy Spirit wants me to share it. It touched me deeply when he shared it. He said, now Jeff, can you imagine that you're in the throng in heaven and people are coming up to be judged and your neighbor comes up and he catches your eye and he's being judged unworthy and he looks at you and he says, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you care? We are called to bring the blinded into Christ. We are the called. And we need to strike when God gives us the opportunity. We need to be ready, you know, to share our story of how Jesus changed us. That's what a witness is. We don't give somebody else's story. Just tell your story, what God did for you. We need to be ready to share that story of salvation when the opportunity comes. We need to testify as a witness of what God has done for us. We need to see others as Jesus sees them. We need to seize the day and the opportunities. But Bartimaeus didn't falter. He struck while the iron was hot. He did not wait. He did not pause. He did not give in when the crowd was against him. And crowds will be against you sharing your testimony. One of my areas of witness is in a golf league I'm in. And they joke about the pastor, or I can't swear now since the pastor's playing with me. <laughs> Though a few are still able. 
But when they're in need or in hurt, I'll send them a card. I'll drop them a line. I'll send them an email. Or they'll come to me and ask me to pray. We have opportunities. We have opportunities. And Bartimaeus knew that day it wasn't a coincidence. It was a God incidence. And he wasn't going to be denied today. And we can have God incidences also. Two days ago, I got a call from Martha Urban, who is my wife's best friend since second grade. And her husband is not doing well and only has a short time left. But it, she called me to say in the, that Ed, the Lord had told Ed last night that he needed to be baptized. And he, she said, would you come over and baptize me? I said, yes, I'll, I'll prepare. And I prepared a bullet, not so much for Ed, but for Martha and the children to hold on to that day. So we baptized Ed and his brother came up and he was playing the music and I never knew he was even coming. And Jack was my best, best man in my marriage, which was Ed's brother. And he did the music and we prayed and laid hands on him for healing. The Lord wants you to lay your hands on people and be honest with him. Be honest with the Lord. I said, my Lord, I want Ed to be healed completely. That's the desire of my heart. And we're to share the desire of our heart. If the Lord heals him or takes him home, that's the Lord's. I'm going to be honest with the Lord. And my desire is for Ed to be healed totally. And we had communion together. And we're going to have communion today. And from since the early church, pastors and the disciples would tell you that at communion, the membrane between heaven and earth is so thin, you can almost see through it. And beloved, that's going to happen with us today. The membrane between heaven and earth will be so thin because as we're having Eucharist, Bartimaeus didn't wait. He didn't listen to the crowd. He would not and did not let Jesus pass by. When Jesus said, call him here, Bartimaeus throws his clothes aside, he springs up, and he leaps with anticipation. miss that anticipation. I know I missed my fir the first love. You know the first love when you first fall in love with Jesus. And that had dwindled a little bit with me and I don't know why. And the Lord just laid it on my heart to look through his eyes. 
And now when I go to a grocery store, I don't run in like I used to. Where's the milk? Get this, this, and go. Get out of here. I go in and look. Who can I pray for? Can I give someone a smile? Can I send a card to one of the clerks thanking them for being so kind? It changed me. And as you change, that love bellows up. And that joy bellows up. He wasn't going to let anything slow him down, Bartimaeus. He was going to encounter Jesus. And you know, you'd wonder, why did Jesus ask him what he wanted? My gosh, he's a blind man. But that's how Bartimaeus made a living. He's no longer blind. He's going to have to work. So he asked him, what do you want? He said, I want to see like I did before. And we're told he's healed, what? Immediately. Beloved, we are followers of the Christ. We are not fans of the Christ. Fans sit on the sidelines. Followers get out on the field. They follow the leader. They're in the midst of the action. Followers are prepared and ready to seize the opportunities that are given to them. They seize the day. They strike when the iron's hot. Are you experiencing the presence of the Holy Spirit? Are you experiencing his power? When someone tells you that they're sick, are you willing to say, can I pray with you now? Can I pray with you at this moment? We're to pick up this word and live. This is the only book that is alive. And I know you know it's alive because You'll read another piece of scripture and you'll go, I never saw that before. That's because you're being continually transformed into the image of Jesus. There's new places he's going to take you. It's alive. That's why Satan fights so hard for us not to read this. But if you read it, you'll experience his power. We're to live an abundant and joyous life. And believe me, when you do acts of unexpected grace, joy will permeate you. Permeate you. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. But the question needs to be asked. Are you blind to the opportunities that God gives you each day? I miss some each day. Or are you seizing the moment? And I love it when I seize the moment. When I look at other people and search their eyes. You need to seize the moment which will allow you to seize the day.
Are you living or are you just existing? There's a difference. There's a tremendous difference. There's an eternal difference. And sadly, as a pastor, I found far too many are just existing and not living. So many are waking up and they follow the same routine every day. They go about their busyness, yet they have, real no, have no real sense of purpose and no sense of joy. Their happiness is, depends largely on others or on their circumstances. But you can be praying I remember I was a banker prior to 2006. I was executive vice president with a $4 billion bank. And I was on the phone with my mom, my mother, who had leukemia and was in the latter stages. And talking to her on the phone and she said, Jeff, you sound like you're Something's wrong. I said, oh, Mom, I'm, I'm stressed. It gets stressful sometimes. She goes, well, let me pray for you. And after I got off the phone, I go, and I think I have stress. But so many are not living they're existing. And if they were honest, they would admit that inside they're empty. They're not filled to the brim. They're no longer seizing the day. Beloved, make the most out of this one life that he's given us, that he's given each of us. We can learn we must learn to stop existing and start living. It's so much fun to live. The joy just bubbles up. It's time to not be blinded, but to seek the joy that God places in our lives. Let's seize the day together. We're called to deny self and to follow Jesus. We're to make Jesus our lifestyle. And today, beloved, is very special. Jesus is passing by. He's in the midst of worship. He's here. And we all have needs. Needs every bit as real as Bartimaeus. And before you and I come to this altar for communion, Take a moment and share that need with Jesus. Be honest. Tell him your desire. You want a fuller relationship with the Lord? Ask him for it. If there's sin in your life that's binding you, ask him for forgiveness. If there's a hurt, a scar on your soul, 
by his stripes we are healed. Ask for healing. Beloved, this is holy ground we're in today. This is holy time. Jesus is in our midst. He's passing by. Strike. Grab it. Seize the opportunity. And let him touch you. And let him transform you. And I promise you, if you do, the scriptures actually promise you, I can. If you do, if you yield to him, he promises to take you from glory to glory. And I want to go. Amen? Amen. Amen indeed. Let us stand, those that are able, and say what we proclaim in the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is visible and invisible. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. 